decoded. Welcome to this episode of the Founder Tech Decoded podcast. I'm delighted on this episode to be talking to Marion Marincat, who is the founder of Mumbly. Um, Marion is also one of uh, um, my oldest friends, I guess, in this space. Um, I've seen his founder's journey for the last five, six, seven years. I'm not sure what it is now. Um, we met whilst I was running my uh, accelerator, Propelia, and Marion was just getting mumbly off the ground um, in response to his experience of uh, severe hearing loss uh, in his late 20s um, and early 30s and needing to navigate socially around cities via um, noise or the lack of noise and therefore creating Mumbly as a totally new hearing wellness brand and uh, as a startup looking to solve how you design cities around sound, which has been an incredibly interesting but also um, illustrative as a frustrating journey to watch as Marion's had to navigate the ecosystem trying to launch something genuinely new and genuinely what's come up in this podcast again and again as a scalable niche. So he is operating in a deep vertical with deep domain expertise with extraordinarily high founder market fit. And yet he has experienced the uh, problems even after multiple raises um, that seem to beset many, many founders. So Marion, it's lovely to have this conversation. I can't believe we haven't had it sooner, but um, yeah, uh, great to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Uh, thanks for having me. It's really interesting to have this uh, chat after so many years of knowing each other. Yeah, so I, I do think and, and that Mumbly and yourself are illustrative, as I said, because you do have this, you are operating in this deep vertical that if you unlock, it could be incredibly valuable. You do have this super aligned founder market fit in that you experience the problem that you're trying to solve every day. Um, you are several iterations into the, into Mumbly. You've proved your resilience. You've proved that you can build team, product, IP patterns. Why is it still so hard? I think because we're not, you know, we're playing the game, but we're not following the rules of the game. Um, so in other words, the, the standard concept of a startup, you come up with an idea that makes money fast, you get out of the building, test it, and then we build the whole thing around it, raise money, and sell the business in five years. That's the that's the game. Whereas I I came in and I defined that, defied that, and I said, well, there's a problem. How do we solve it? How do we make hearing wellness a mainstream conversation? And that wasn't a make money quick sort of question. Um, so I think that's why. And we stayed we stayed with that. So all the the team members that joined and the ecosystem that we built around Mumbly, um, everyone is wired into fixing the problem, not so much into, you know, sell, 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 grow, 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 and and then um, I, I think that's what makes it slightly harder for us. Do you, do you want to just quickly describe where you've got to in terms of mumbly's capability like how you go into a venue and what what you now can do and you know the technology you've developed you just want to give us a very quick snapshot of that so people can understand the problem that you're solving so we found out the um 
the biggest problem uh, that is the most common one as well around hearing and noise was noise pollution and in particular recreational noise pollution in social venues so through various iterations and uh, and a number of uh, sort of product development cycles we we quite simply developed an iot system that turns noise into visual and tangible meaning for a venue operator to go Oh, wow, right. So that's what noise does to my bottom line. That's what noise does to my staff. And that's what noise does to my customers. And and that was not possible until we came in with the product. Why do you think no one had looked at that problem before? It's not like, you know, I, I've heard you talk many times and a lot of the content you produce about, you know, you go into a, a restaurant or, or, or any kind of a social and you can't hear each other. Why do you think when people spend so much money on you know aesthetics ergonomics you know if people understand ergonomics architecture why is noise not considered i think it's starting to be considered but because it's not an easy thing to describe to someone it's it's then becoming this complex decision to be made around a complex problem if that makes sense so architects and designers we found um find it in, incredibly difficult to explain to venue operators how important it is to invest in acoustics and because until about three five years ago it was very expensive to invest in acoustics as well that would be the first thing that would would be you know uh would come off the budget uh for any venue operator that would design their space so it was a difficult problem to tackle and it's a complex one because it it touches on a few industries and i think that's why until now no one actually tackled it properly and this concept of a scalable niche uh, i'd love to get your feel on it because what, what that just to recap what that means is that there are less and less in you know pitch decks and funnels you know deal funnels that, of, of investors like horizontal B2B e-commerce um, SaaS plays that are obvious that could unlock, you know, significant new value, Nav navigate a problem, a market challenge that's really hard to solve and, and unlock new value. It, it it seems like Mumbly is literally, you know, so so the, the answer to that is to go deep into verticals, into these scalable niches with people who, you know, have this domain expertise to be able to unlock the value of that. It seems like I mean, I know that, you, that, that that that's what you're doing. Why do you think that is so hard? Not, not, not just that it's hard to con, uh, translate to a venue. Why is that hard to translate in your experience to investors? Well, I think I think there's a frequency that investors follow, like everyone else, um, which, and it, it's strange we're talking about frequencies, but it's quite a good analogy where the whole market talks about it five topics that are the most popular in that moment or three topics or however many and if you're solving a problem that is it doesn't matter how big it is you know noise pollution is the second after air pollution in terms of uh the most harmful environmental health problem but because it's not a hot topic and because there are not many hot investments and there are not many companies around in the space, then people don't get it. 
and and people don't get other things like not i don't think everyone understands fintech but because it's such a you know there's so many numbers around it there's a trend you can follow, follow market trends it's easier to go for that whereas in our case it's it's a complex problem uh, we come with a solution that it's easy to apply but it takes a bit of time to understand um it took a bit of time to even build the narrative around you know audio accessibility let's make venues sound better uh you know we're making the comparison with smoking banning being banned and so on it takes a bit of time so it makes it harder to get people on board and the investors we do have on board are the most amazing investors because they get it they understand the problem we're solving they understand my relationship with sound and how that has a powerful uh almost catalyst behind the, the vision but it's it's not a numbers game in our case you know in other industries i think there it's a numbers game you you pitch to 100 vcs and you get 60 interested because you're in this space that is now very hot uh and we just have to find fight harder for that can you talk about uh, say for founders listening to this or investors like can you just talk about without sort of getting into specific names your frustrations give us two or three case studies where you've engaged an investor i know you've gone through several rounds um give us one where you've engaged an investor they they seem to get the they get the scalable niche they get the problem and then why does it then is it so hard to translate that um can you give some case studies yeah uh, quite a few examples around that <laughs> I, know. I guess um i guess there's some funny ones as well where you know people don't get it and it's hard for someone to admit they don't understand something so then they blame it on you you're too early you haven't done this you haven't done that come back later etc but it's them because they don't understand the product or the problem <clears throat> um but there are a couple of examples so impact investment is a space and and there are quite a few vcs in that space that are you know impact investment funds and anyone you don't need to be a founder or be in the space when we say impact anything it means there's an impact on uh the planet people's well-being etc so we approach all of these funds that call themselves impact investment funds and the majority of their portfolio is you know sustainable investments because that's that's what's hot now so climate change etc is really really powerful but the the esgs are not just about that they're also about social issues inequality and, and so on and we are we are taking a lot of those boxes about four of them when it comes to social um, issues but we had this one fund that um, they've been set up as a fund that uh, focuses on impact investments, early stage impact investment. And it's very tempting to say the name, but I'm just not going to do it. I don't think it's fair. No, no, no. And we've been through the process. And after about three months, we get this really young guy, investment analyst, and he starts questioning me in this half an hour interview but he doesn't ask me 
about whose problem are we solving? How how is this solution going to fix that? Why did we come up with this solution, not a different one? Or who are the experts that you work with? Or you know things that because we've done three three and a bit years of research and development working with global experts in the field and really well recognized i would have expected someone to come in and question the viability of the solution but that had nothing to do with it and we have this interview ask me about numbers and then about a month and a half later he sends me an email saying i'm really sorry we're not going to go through with this at this time so he, he mentions that they spoke to a disability expert and he said, uh, you know, that hearing loss is a very difficult problem to solve. But he also spoke to one venue operator who said that um, no one complained about noise and noise is not something they're considered. And on the back of these two conversations, this fund decided that we're not a good investment. And I found that funny and obviously frustrated frustrating but i think more funny than frustrating at this point because this is after about 150 conversations um and and more than half of those the response was too early because they obviously didn't connect to the problem but this was a really good example of a fund that positions themselves in a space where you really need to get your hands in the product but they haven't. They, their, their approach is the same. It's just, uh, I'm, I'm not even sure. It may be a PR stunt to to call themselves an impact investment because, because that's what works at the moment. I'm not sure. But that was quite funny. Can we do another couple of case studies? I know you've got a few. Um, if you want to share the roses one, just because it's, it, it shows how frustrated you were, please do again without mentioning names. But let's do a couple because we haven't had a founder talking about this and i think it is super relevant to the conversation hearing these case studies and hearing the frustration so, so give us a couple do do one more and then and then want to finish with the one with the roses yeah sorry so the one with the roses and what was the other one just give me another one like a, another another oh. another one that is top of mind i know you have a few so like just give me give, give anyone anyone at all again without mentioning names and then let's do the one with the roses yeah i think one that stands out which is not necessarily impact investment focused is the um, is a fund that um they signed off that we're going to receive fifty thousand pounds investment and uh, this was back in november we're now in april and the funds were supposed to be wired in december it didn't happen and then that turn into this saga of updates with no substance where apparently this fund was funded by another fund but they are fca regulated so obviously we use that pledge to tell all the future investors that you know this is the this is how much we raised and because the funds were coming in after about three months i decided to pull the plug but the problem is the lack of one admitting to the fact that you know we don't have the cash so we're just going to close the business uh that didn't happen it just carried on dragging along more than 30 founders that have received this pledge all of them 
received a 50,000 pound investment pledge. And it, it, it seemed like a very strange way of behaving for a fund in a highly regulated environment in the UK, um, where no one seems to, to look at this fund and go, hey, look, there's these guys here that pledge almost two million pounds. Um, and they are signing advanced subscription agreements and they are putting, you know, deal conditions together and so on. And uh, I, I think that's bad because, you know, you're in a market where you anyway get a lot of responses that are negative because, you know, probably you're not talking to right funds or uh, it took us some time to find the right, the right type of funds to talk to. But then you come across someone who was, was requiring all this time and due diligence that in the end doesn't have the money in the bank. And that was um, that was one that was quite disappointing and deflating. Uh, Let's just, just talk just one con another concept which you're describing perfectly is the this value of a fast no, right? You would much rather receive a fast no that's specific and quick then it'd be dragged out than a slow yes or a slow maybe. That's what you're describing. And that seems to be what consistent with all founders, right? Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. There, there are a lot of response there. Well, there are a lot of case studies around this slow no element. And to me, a slow no is anything beyond two meetings and two weeks is, is already a waste of time. Um, and and in this particular case, you know, it's three and a half months. That's ridiculous. And it's almost insulting um, to to drag someone along for three and a half months um, to, and it's not even a no. It's it's a maybe and we don't know when and, and so on. So I think that's definitely. Why do you say two meetings, two weeks? What is it that you think is driving that? What, 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 what do, What's your thinking? Well, you know, I think the first meeting um, is anyway after the, the potential investor has seen a deck. Um, I think that's the trend. Although I would I would argue for for a screening that gets very quickly to a meeting um, because there's so much more you can get in that meeting than through a deck. And um, and let's say you see the deck and then you think about it as an investor and then you have another meeting and i think at the moment there's a lot of i think there are a lot of people that need to approve to something that are not participating in these conversations with the founder so i've had a lot of conversations where people would you know there'd be the junior investment analyst and this junior investment analyst hasn't touch the company in their own life they, they've just studied numbers and market trends and so on and then they're having conversations with a real business owner in a real world and they need to translate that conversation for someone who is not in those meetings and doesn't understand the market so i think anything beyond two meetings is is dragging along and uh, and from what i've seen I mentioned we have a couple of investors on our board that are absolutely amazing. None of them wanted to have these long debates around the numbers and you know uh, 
how are you going to do this and that in three years and show me forecasts and where you know it was just a conversation around me what's with the problem well like the real deal whereas if you don't have those then why dragging it along just drop it after two weeks just say no move on yeah and everyone everyone gets some time back yeah this is this asymmetry that needs to be solved where the founders time is as valuable as the investors time if it's aligned and if there is a clear calibration of, of that alignment up front what you're talking about is that I think it's actually that you should be able to determine that alignment very quickly and if it's not there there's no point discussing anything any longer and that um, people with a distinct point of view investors and founders can get to that very quickly there is no need for it to drag on let's let's uh, uh, just to wear a side let's just do the roses example and then let's just talk about where you're at with mumbly and what and what, what what you're looking to achieve over the next six months but let's just talk about that again with no names but, but just in terms of this i think i think hearing this the reason i wanted to share it is it just shows how you're a very rational person in my experience and it shows how bonkers you'd been driven by this process that you felt that you needed to do this so go, go share share the story yeah, well, this was, uh, I didn't realize at the time that the Roses story is going to go that far, but um, it was a funny week. And uh, with uh, my assistant at the time, we had we had quite a laugh. So we were using this software tool that, um, you know, just instead of just sending a PDF, you send a link and then you see how, if people, one, if people are looking at the deck, and two, what are they looking at and for how long? And it's not to track people because you can be anonymous, but it's just to see, just to get that data and understand, well, maybe some of the slides are pointless in the deck, et cetera. So we send, we send this uh, weekly. We've been sending this uh, to various funds, quite targeted funds. So, you know, our stage, uh, the, the amount that we're looking for and so on. Uh, contacting via LinkedIn to make sure that you know we're we're not giving the impression that we're just sending it to everyone, and we send it to this fund and this this uh, person in particular from the fund. And uh, when we looked at how long they looked at the deck, in the email response they said, "Really sorry." We looked at the deck and uh, it's too early for us. It's not really a market we want to look at or something like that. I can't remember exactly the, the wording, but looked at the, the, the time that they looked at the deck for, and it was 16 seconds. So they looked at this deck for 16 seconds and it was record breaking. And we had people that looked at the deck for 25 seconds, one minute. The average time was actually a minute and a half. And what's strange with this number is that everyone would tell you, guys, everyone is looking at the deck a minute and a half, so make sure the deck is amazing. But no one is saying everyone is looking at the deck for a minute and a half, which is insulting. You know, everyone looks at the other side, yeah. which I find really bizarre. But anyway, so so she looked at the deck for 16 seconds, and I thought this is really, really annoying. And I wanted to turn that into uh, a funny story, which apparently it, it did turn out to be funny. So I uh, sent uh, 16 roses or 17 roses, I think, 
um, it was 16 or 17 seconds, and I sent the number of seconds in roses to this fund with a box of chocolate and a note saying, you know, you broke the record, the shortest amount of time spent on our deck. Uh, congratulations, the Mumbly team. And uh, we didn't hear anything back, and obviously no one invested in us from that fund yet, but uh, we didn't have a fun day. I think this... And at the time, I thought I'm just going to keep doing this, but uh, you know, it, it can only go so far that's, with being that's ridiculous. A, that's so, a lot of flowers and chocolate. It's a lot of we need to open a flower shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, so, well, <laughs> we could say that. But do you when you when you? It's funny, but it's not funny, right? It's that you're trying to say you're trying to make a point, and you're trying to, in a way, sort of invert the dynamic and say, hey, you know, we saw. It was 16, 17 seconds. How can anybody form a proper opinion? What, 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 what do you think needs to happen to change all of that? Like when we let's go to talk about founder tech, you know, which is a shorthand now for basically everything that we're describing is a systemic problem and it's an inefficient problem and it doesn't really work for really good founders or really good early stage investors. It just it's just highly inefficient. Uh, and founder tech is actually we can re-engineer it with not much work new platforms talking to each other, new behaviors, new ethics, new ethos. Um, and actually, within two, three years, it could behave completely differently. In your mind, do you think that's achievable? And do you, what, what, how would you like it to behave, let's say, where you won't be in this, you know, early stage startup? Let's say you're, you're advising a founder in two, three years. What would you like their experience to be? I think, I don't think anyone wants to waste time, which, which we can all agree on that is the most scarce asset we have um there's plenty of money out there and it's very easy to print it as well so i don't think we should disregard the fact that everyone's time is equally valuable and there needs to be a, an ecosystem built around that equitable way of of dealing with things and i think when it comes to the, these two camps investors and founders um the whole ecosystem is built around this myth that the investor is more important than the founder mm. and and for that reason the founder needs to pitch the founder needs to put decks together spend months to put this deck together although they're not a graphic designer that's not their work <laughs> i don't think a founder should become really really good at putting decks together i think the work of the founder needs to be around the product the problem the company the team etc um and the investor just sits there and it's being pitched to and there's this bragging about how many decks investors get and and the way it's positioned and i mean with all due respect to investors but the way it's positioned is you know mate i'm getting hundreds of decks every week you need to really get my attention yeah. and and what that says is there are hundreds of people trying to solve problems and there's this one person sitting there waiting to be amazed but there's no recipe like i just want to get something in the deck that makes me want to invest in this business and and i think i would i would i would like to see a place where there's an equitable way of dealing with these things it's almost like investors to pitch and look for founders as 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 much as 
founders do it for investors and if there's a way to put that together um i would definitely encourage that yeah um obviously that's what we're trying to achieve at pile around but that's that's a different conversation let's before we wrap up um is there anything i'm trying to think of a good way to phrase this is 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 what would you say to investors who might be listening to this who i think there are loads of really good ones and we've started to talk to them and you know there's people who get this and they get it it's in their interest to change this behavior and that really good founders want really good investors to signal and behave consistently in this new way what would you say to them to the person who is you know viewing a deck at 17 seconds around an impact problem right as we speak what would you say to that person i would probably say quality over quantity and that probably means you know checking out fewer decks having more conversations um understanding more about business or finding a way to uh, show respect towards founders earlier it's it's probably but it's it's not something that i don't want to be arrogant about it they're different type of investors if there are people looking for different things in the market and uh, different stages of investing so my exposure was up to you know 11 million pounds investment in in renewable energy i i don't know what happens beyond that what happens below that i think it, it there's a lot of noise of course and it's difficult as an investor to navigate that noise uh but i i don't think that's an excuse to not respect the time that founders put into these things so if you're an investor and you have your linkedin profile as investor try and be uh fair when when someone is approaching you because you are ticking some of their boxes um even though some of the people that approach you on they shouldn't maybe approach you but you're there you you position yourself as an investor and and i think that would be my you know an equitable quality over quantity approach um, yeah so let's close with um you're still in the middle of a, a, a your next round talk about if investors are listening to this the investors that ideally that you that you would like to talk to and also i'm aware that you're also looking for or starting to look for a co-founder or a, or a COO type role. Talk about that as well. So anyone listening to this, and we'll put obviously in the notes, you know, how, how to contact you. Um, so yeah, talk about your investment round um, first, and, and then let's get to the role second before we close. Sure, the, the investment round is an interesting uh, story because we we went full speed on, on Cedars, and that didn't go as expected. I think there are a lot of changes in the way the crowdfunding space uh, operates and behaves lately. But because we have this SEIS carrot being dangled at us, uh, I think we'd, we'd really like to maybe use that instead um, and give people the chance to invest another 100K under SEIS. So we might pull back and then launch the SEIS at the forefront of of the the round um 
And on the co-founder side, yeah, definitely after five years, I think um, it, it's quite an interesting uh, place to be in where I think co-founder would be definitely taking Bumbly to, to uh, the next level. Um, I want to admit the fact that there's stages in the growth of Bumbly that um, my skill set is not necessarily limited, but it's uh, much stronger in in uh, areas that I feel I'm I'm strong in. And then there'll be people that will be better at you know growing the team, uh, operationally putting everything together. And uh, I'm really excited about looking and uh, finding that person. And of course, um, if anyone wants to talk about any of the two, uh, my, my email is marion at mumbly.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn. And uh, happy to have conversations around either investing in Mumbly or anything I said in this podcast, or, or if you think you want to be part of solving the problem of noise pollution, and maybe, maybe we should talk about working together. Yeah, definitely go to mumbly.com to see, you know, the comprehensive, you know, solution that is now being implemented around all the things we've discussed. Marion's also going to be on the panel for our Founder Tech Collective event in London on the 15th of May. Um, and I think that brings us to a close. We'll obviously be exploring these issues. Marion bringing lots of chocolates and lots of flowers to the event, obviously, for anyone coming already. So, um <laughs> Um, yeah, lo lovely to talk and lovely to sort of sh share this. I, um, hopefully, in this is a couple of times now, and in two, three years, we'll be listening back to this conversation, and it will seem quite funny because it, you know, things have improved, and you know that equitable relationship that you keep talking about, you know, is 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 just now is the norm, you know. So I, I do think we will get there. I do I think there's enough people who see in the tech space, and hopefully, the community on the fifteenth will um, will be, you know, I think we will align around. A lot of the values and the outcomes that you described. So, thank you very much, Marina. Um, it's, it's it's great to have finally done this. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, it was really good fun. Um, remember the roses story, and I, I'm looking forward to 15 of May. Definitely.